0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and joining me today, live in the studio, Mike, how are you doing? Welcome. Yeah, I'm good, mate. As you can see, got the Arsenal drip on today. Good stuff, good stuff. Nice and old school as well, the old squad is That's it. That's what I like. Um, Of course, Arsenal held to a 1-1 draw at the weekend by Sheffield United at the Emirates Stadium. Really, really disappointing result, um, considering we were winning the game. You know, it's one of those games where you come away from it really, really frustrated. But in my opinion, there were some positives again um, from Mikel Arteta's side, which we'll touch on uh, a little bit later.
1: But Mike, what was your overriding feeling after that uh, game? Um, More disappointment, to be honest. And although I can see where we're trying to go and I can see the plan that Arteta is trying to put in place, I still feel disappointed when we when we draw against Palace in, in games like that um, and uh, and the game as well. I just think that we're, we're a massive work in progress. Uh, we don't control games well enough. We're, we're more defensively solid, but in, t- in front of goal, we don't have the cutting edge. We're not creating enough chances. I feel like if Ozil's not in the game, um, then we don't create anything and that's the only area on which we're actually creating chances because obviously now with, with this new system um, we don't have the uh, the, the overlapping full as much Saka does it on the left hand side but Maitland-Niles tucks in which gives us one less outlet so there's a lot of emphasis on Pepe uh, to create on that right hand side and I still think he's taking too many touches and isn't quite there so I think there's there's a long way to go. Um, I saw a lot of people having a go at Mesozo and Lacazelle on the weekend, which I think was a little bit harsh, but I understand where, where some of it is coming from. Um, but, yeah, I just think we really need some help in terms of creating chances um, because if it's not coming from or it's not coming at all. That's the biggest task that Mikel Arteta has,
0: though, isn't it? Because he's come in, he's taken over a team that are clearly very imbalanced. We've got a, a really weak defence, as we've all known for months and months, even years now. Um, he's come in to a, a certain extent. He's made us a little bit more solid defensively, I would say. Um, I think we're giving less away in terms of chances than we were previously but it has taken away from that forward play and now Mikel Arteta's challenge is to find that balance between the two in your opinion you touched on Nicolas Pepe for me you know it's it's very difficult when people say you know don't get on his back it's early days etc but it is very difficult isn't it when you've spent 72 million pounds on a player to not see him deliver with a consistent level. And for me, there were times where Nicolas Pepe wasted the ball at the weekend, where he got into really strong positions, one-on-ones, isolated the fullbacks or Sheffield United's third centre-back, whatever you want to call it. And you just wanted to see him just take him on and and go down the byline and on the outside, maybe he doesn't do that though, does he?
1: I think he's overthinking it a little bit at the moment. um, Cause I, I, I got the sense that when he was in France, he was very much an instinctive player. And I feel like he's thinking about it a little bit too much at the moment. And that time where I think in in the first few games, uh, he he would come he would come inside and and have a shot. He's not doing that anymore, and that I, I feel like that might be instruction from Arteta. And but to be fair, I, th- I think he did have a one of his better games at uh, the weekend. Uh, obviously, created some some big chances in the first half. He created two cha- big chances for for Martinelli. Uh, one was going down the right hand side, crossing Martinelli put the volley wide. Um, Also another one, we took on a few defenders and put it into Martin Martin, who who put it wide again. Um, So I think he's doing better, but I just don't see, I I don't see a clear enough um, danger uh, in front of goal from him. I think that he's creating a few more chances, but I think we signed him to be almost what Aubameyang is on the other side, which is an inside forward, that's scoring goals, because he scored a bag load of goals when he was uh, in France. And I think, the the reason why there's so much pressure on him is because Lacazette's not scoring. Um, the only other person scoring in the team is is a Bamyang who's out. So we're, we're looking at that team, thinking where are the goals coming from, and this is when we need Pepe to step up. And I'm not saying that that he's never going to do it. I'm just saying he's not doing it at the moment, which is which is fair, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What have you made of Alex Lacazette? Because like you said, he's been getting a lot of stick um, from all corners of the fan base at the moment. He's not scoring. Um, one thing you always get from Alexander Lacazette is you get hard work, you get battle, you get fight. Last week against Crystal Palace, he really frustrated me. The way he was giving away fouls constantly, I thought they were so unnecessary. Um, and I thought they disrupted the flow and the rhythm of the game. And when you're trying to play football the way that Mikel Arteta wants us to play football, rhythm is so important. So I found him really frustrating at Palace. Again, though, at the weekend, you know, there was a couple of moments where there was one particular where he turned, and I think it was. Uh, after that uh, Martinelli chance that you referred to, the one that he put wide with his left foot, he sort of spun the defender. He played a ball in behind the channel for for Pepe. And yeah. that's great. That's what you want to see. But if he's not scoring goals, I want to see more of that. Is it fair uh, to say that? Am I getting on his back? Am I picking on him? What do you make of the whole situation?
1: No, it's, it's definitely fair. And I think we can, we can liken it to maybe a Bobby Firmino, because I think... In terms of systems, he's probably filling the most similar role to to Lacazette. And you you look what he does. Uh, He he drops into midfield, which gives uh, Liverpool more of a creative outlet, which means Salah and Mane both run inside and get in behind. He creates more chances. Uh, He he works harder off the ball. So I think if if, if Lacazette is looking to play this role, um, then he he needs to do more of that. And he needs to drop deeper and be more creative, which I'm not sure, to be honest. he he can do because even I think his link up plays good. You're you're talking about Firmino um, as an exceptional player and probably the best in his position in the world as a, as a false nine. And I don't think Lacazette can quite do that. And I think sometimes when he does drop deeper, as I said, we we lack the person in the box because like Liverpool, when Firmino drops deeper, Salah is in the box, Mane's in the box, but at the moment we've only got Bamiang playing that role. Pepe's not quite got that to his game yet. So, if if Lacazette's not doing that and he and, and he's not scoring goals, I really think it's a problem. Uh, I think also for him, it might put the rocket up his ass that that Ian Ketty has come back from on loan because he he might challenge him. Obviously came on for him on the weekend. I think we could see more of that. Yeah, absolutely and it's obvious that Mikel Arteta has been very impressed with Eddie Nketiah
0: in training. He's, you know, there was lots of talk uh, about him leaving almost 24 hours after coming back from Leeds and that's not happened. He stayed um it looks like he's staying for the rest of the season um and you know Mikel Arteta sees him as a, a viable option I suppose. I guess for me it is it's just getting a little bit frustrating and like i said I, I fully back mikel arteta i'm going to give him time i what i like about mikel arteta is i can see what he's trying to implement and i never had that under unai Emery. at no point did i ever sit there and say actually it didn't work today but i understand what he was trying to do i did see that at the weekend with arteta i have seen that um in weeks gone by but the results are becoming frustrating. I guess the positive thing that you could say is that we're not losing as many games. Um, we're drawing them. Draws have been our downfall this season. If you look at the league table, it's it's what's really, really cost us. Is this season a bit of a write-off for you, Mike? It, w- do you think that we can still challenge for the European places? Because me personally, if we're not going to make the
1: Champions League, I'd rather we stay out of the Europa League. Yeah, I was just going to say that, actually. I think, t- to be fair, in, in terms of league position, it's, it's pretty much a write-off. Um and also that, I think if we sort of aim for that, it, it takes the pressure off. And, you know, if results do turn around, I mean, if we beat Chelsea, I think we're only seven points uh, off the top four, which when you look at the team at the moment and how inconsistent they are and the fact they can't beat Sheffield United in the likes of Crystal Palace would would tell you that, you know, they're not going to recover that deficit. But you never know, like if things turn around, Aubameyang obviously comes back from in suspension. We start, the team starts clicking together. It could happen. But I think in terms of what should be a priority, I think purely just trying to get the players to understand the system so that when the Europa League comes about, um, we can go deep in that. And that gives us the best chance of uh, of Champions League next season. Uh, It's going to be tough. There's a lot of good teams in there. I think Inter Milan are in there. Ajax are in there. So it's not going to be easy. But I think it's a tournament. Anything can happen. We obviously got to the final last year um, under Unai Emery. So I, I, I don't think there's a massive reason why we can't do that. I just think we need to we need to improve as a collective, but saying that, I think if we do go with this more defensive approach i i I can't see a reason why that's not a possibility' the Europa League could be seen. yeah absolutely and and I mean, when we sit here and we say, you know we
0: we couldn't beat Sheffield United, we couldn't beat Crystal Palace, we're probably being a little bit harsh here because historically, there are two clubs that Arsenal should be beating that are completely you know acknowledge that. But Sheffield United are flying in the Premier League this season. They've made some really difficult games for some really top teams this season. They've shown their quality. They've shown how organised they are. Chris Wilder's done a fantastic job there. And Crystal Palace got a draw at the Etihad this weekend. Yeah. So maybe we are still living in the past in the sense of we are looking at these teams and saying, we're Arsenal, they're Sheffield United, we Mm. should be steamrolling them. But that's not necessarily the case at the moment. Where Arsenal are at the moment and where the likes of Sheffield United, for example, find themselves, it is two complete opposites. It's as though we've swapped roles. And that's the thing. I think maybe because we're encouraged by Arteta and we want to see him do so well, we always feel that disappointment when we come away from those games without all three points. But if you take your Arsenal hat off for a minute and you look at it calmly, actually, they're not the end of the world in sort of results
1: for me. I don't know. I, I... no, you're right. And look, in in no way am I saying that Sheffield United are a, are a poor team whatsoever. And obviously, but by the results this season, they're fantastically... Uh, well organized uh, the players are so comfortable in their positions and but i think that's, that's a result of just really hard work and for a long long time wild has been with that team for a while um as i said the players are, are fully accustomed to to what they have to do every game um and similarly to, to Leeds as well I, um, in in the fa cup we saw a team like just how good they can be no matter about in, individuals like when they're coached well and in the right system they play levels above their, their own ability and um Obviously, you know, Bielsa and Wilder, they're a lot further in the curve than Arteta is. And I think we've seen positive signs so far, but there's no reason we can't we can't get to that stage where the players know uh, exactly what, what they want to do. I, I just think it's quite difficult for him at the moment because in, in the back of his head, he obviously knows which players eventually he wants to keep and which ones he doesn't. We don't know. But I, I, I would think there's going to be, a bit of a mass exodus in the summer, to be honest with you, because I think in January you don't want to lose players. Yep. But Agreed. I look at some of the players, Harry, in, in the team and I don't think they'll they'll be there for a long time. Although um, Mustafi had a good game, I've, I've got to say. Uh, shaky first 10 minutes um, up to his old tricks again. But uh, that, that interview that he did in midweek with Arsenal, obviously did him a, a world of goods. Do you feel like that was a bit of a publicity stunt from Arsenal? Do you feel like they knew that
0: there was a good chance Mustafi would play and that's why they released that interview because I think they released it on Thursday or Friday yeah. if I'm not mistaken and it felt like it after was, the press conference yeah exactly it, it felt like a really convenient time to release that and a really convenient time to try and maybe drum up a bit of support for for Shkodran Mustafi I, I don't know I, we
1: can't be sure but I've got that impression No, I think so because obviously uh, Socrates was ill so, I mean, I don't know who else would have played. Holding's not fit. So he was the only other fit centre-back. So I think they knew he was going to play. And to be fair to him, he'd like some vital interceptions in there. Um, I don't actually... This is going to sound weird because I have criticised him in the past, but I don't think he's actually the, the worst defender we have. I think he does have some qualities that that, that make him a decent option. And look, I'm, I'm talking about fourth-choice centre-back here because obviously we've got three ahead of him for me. But I don't think that we need to get rid of him in January because if you look at it you know who, who are we going to bring in potentially like at this stage people talking about John Stones uh Pep Guardiola said that's not going to happen but realistically in this window we're not going to get anyone much better and, and if we do it's, it's not going to be a long-term option so I don't see the problem in in the fans getting behind him and him getting a bit more support um because that's one thing that I've really been impressed with Arteta is that he's turned around what seemed like bleak futures of some players like Xhaka. I mean, look look at the reception that he was getting before and, and people are actually starting to give him a bit of respect now, which is, which is so good. Mr. Ozil. I mean, it only took a few games for the Arsenal Twitter to start um, bashing him again, which I think is a bit crazy, but um, that's seemingly what Arteta's done is just improve players and try and get The, the fans on side. The thing with, with Mustafi is
0: what he brings is it aside from like some of the good interceptions that you said, I think he makes us a lot more comfortable in possession at the back. And if you want to play out from the back, that is key. I'm not saying that Mustafi should start every week. I'm not saying that for a minute. And I know that I'm going to get some abuse in the comments for saying this, but what he does bring (laughs) contract (laughs) and I would not go that far just yet, but what he does bring is he brings uh, far more ability on the ball. And there was a couple of really decent balls. He played out of the defense, the sort of diagonal balls we were seeing David Lewis play against crystal palace. Mustafi played a couple into the channels yesterday. He tried a few passes that didn't come off as well, um, but the ideas were right. Um, in terms of Mesut Ozil, people slagging him off, saying he hasn't got a direct assist in X amount of games, whatever. That's not the point here. The point here is that when Mesut Ozil win, gets the ball, w- the play flows, the play moves, he picks people out. My criticism of Mesut the other day was that there was one instance where he got the ball on the edge of the box and I wanted to see him just open up his body and just fire it towards goal, and he didn't. He tried mm-hmm. to square it again. That frustrates me a little bit with Ozil. But when he's in the team, the play flows better. He's working a lot harder than he's ever worked in an Arsenal shirt, I would say. So, you know, people on the one hand were saying, oh, he's not working hard enough, get him out of the team. Now he's working hard, they're picking on something else. Is he the best number 10 in the world? Absolutely not. If you said to me I could have Kevin De Bruyne instead, I would bite your hand off. But that's not the reality. Yeah, This guy is an Arsenal player. We're stuck with him, whether people like it or not. And to be getting on his back when he's playing the passes, he's releasing the likes of Pepe, the likes of Martinelli. If they can't deliver later on, then, you know, that's not necessarily Mesut Ozil's fault. And we shouldn't always be looking back to, the guy he hasn't provided a direct assist. I think that's, that's sort of a caveman attitude. And it's no, the it attitude is. of some fans who are obsessed by statistics. Statistics are good in the sense that they help you back up an argument. But they're not the be-all and end-all. And you can easily present statistics, sorry, that that make your agenda, you know, look right. And that's that's the frustrating thing about the Ozil thing for me. Um, let's talk about the penalty incident. There was a penalty um shout for the Arsenal in the second half. Nicolas Pepe looked to start inside a couple of players. Um I thought he was fouled. Um at the time, I, I was screaming for it. When I come home and I saw the replay, I was screaming for it again. Um I was really, really Adamant that it was a penalty. When I got home, I still thought it was a penalty and I still do think it was a penalty. But I was a little bit disappointed to see Pepe sort of launch himself Mm. before the challenge come in. And I think that is why the VAR has not given it. What did you make of this situation?
1: Yeah, no, I I see what you're saying. I definitely agree that it didn't help himself. I think if he would have stayed on his feet uh, a bit more, I think it, it would have been clear because he would have been hacked down. But I think, Harry, just with the contact, you know, there's there's so many images you can pull up from from that clip of where there's contact, knee to knee, or if it's knee to slightly higher on his leg, there's clear contact. He goes down, makes a bit of a meat of it. But, I mean, it's just the inconsistency that really pisses me off. Like, how many times have, have we seen players do that, even against Arsenal? Wilfred Zaha has done that multiple occasions. Uh, Jamie Vardy has simulated contact I mean, that's just how that's just how people get penalties, he says. But it seems like when it happens to Arsenal, they they don't get given. I don't want to make this about Mike Dean because look, I think that some people that that have a go at, at Mike Dean for being a Spurs fan is is a bit ridiculous because he's a Tranmere Rovers fan and they say that he celebrated that goal for Spurs. I mean, it's bullshit. Let's let, let's be honest. Yeah, but. He's just a it, little bit over. It does seem that, that we we don't get results with him, uh, but we don't get decisions with him. And that's something that VAR should be overturning. If if Mike Dean has not seen the right angle, because I agree there is one angle where you can see it, and it does look like Pepe's jumped and um a little bit, which is why he hasn't given it. But I think VAR, they've got access to loads of angles. Watch it, watch it in different angles. If you agree that there is contact, then it has to be a penalty, regardless if if he's jumped into it or not.
0: I mean, we saw the, the, the news early, uh, late, sorry, last week that the referees were going to be using the screen. Yeah, surely that's a prime opportunity. Well, they
1: they said four red cards. I mean, but it's it's, it's a joke.
0: Yeah, but, a I joke. mean, every other league uses the screen, and the problem we're getting now is that with consistency, you're never going to get consistency in football unless the same referee referees every single game because there are so many things that are down to interpretation so for me at the very least what i want is consistency within the 90 minutes of football that we're watching and the only way you get that is if one man makes the calls yeah and mike dean in that situation needs to be told to go and look at his monitor now I don't like Mike Dean. I think he's a fucking arsehole. I hate the way he flaps around the pitch. Even just like when he waves play on, it's like this. It's just like he's so dramatic. <laughs> Everything about him is dramatic and I can't stand him. But this is not a Mike Dean problem. This is a problem from the PGMOL yeah. because yeah. they won't back down. They will just not change the way that they're looking at offsides, uh, not offsides, sorry, at decisions. There are so many things that VAR has now come in that we now need to change the rules for or at least adjust the laws. And I get this is the first season, but we can't let this drag on for too long. Because I know people that are losing interest in the game. And I know, you know, we will probably never, that will never happen to us because we're just obsessed. But there are people, maybe a little more casual in their way they support their football team, yeah. who are probably sick and tired of this shit and are probably considering saying, you know what, fuck this. I don't want to watch it anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you know what it is, Harry, I get the sense that football now is being geared towards um, fans watching at home and not actually going to games, because at the game, when, when there's a VAR incident, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. And, and, and they thought that a few weeks ago, putting a bit of extra information on the screen would help people. We have no clue. So this is what I mean, like with the Amazon stream showing every single game, um, you know, on on TV at, at the same time or on a website you can click. I think that's where it's going. I, I think honestly think that, that football, that clubs, that the FA don't care about fans in the stadium anymore. They would much rather have um, tourists there they'll, they'll much rather have people that aren't from there because they're gonna go they're gonna buy merchandise they're gonna do all, all these things that, that us fans won't do and i think that's the way the football's geared towards I, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know it turn into a bit more like the, the american franchises where they can milk as much money from us as they want and that's why i feel like var is not changing because they don't care
0: yeah absolutely i, I take all those points on board and. I mean, for me, I want to make this clear because I don't want non-Arsenal fans to be listening to this and thinking that I'm sitting here saying there's a massive conspiracy against Arsenal because I don't think that's the case. You know, there have been some decisions that we've been on the wrong side of. Um, there are some decisions that I think we've maybe got away with. There was one at Man United. Uh, I thought Kalasinach handballed it in the penalty area and we got away with that. Um, of course, VAR saved us because we had a goal that was a mile on side of all that initially. So, look, I don't think there's a conspiracy against Arsenal in terms of the VAR thing, but it is a real problem in football and they need to get on top of it quickly. And I appreciate this is the first year it's been in operation in the Premier League, but for me, they need to sort certain issues out,
1: the issues that we've mentioned out ASAP. But you because, think that they'd learn from, from being one of the last leagues to do it, Harry, That's the you? Yeah, that's I've the first thing. In this fourth season of VAR, um, Serie A had it. Uh, La Liga had had it a year before us. You'd think they'd, they'd watch other leagues and say, "Oh well, this works. This doesn't, this doesn't work," yeah. and then implement it? But but they haven't. They haven't done any, anything of the sort. I mean, the the biggest thing really is that is the monitor because the the referee is the guy who's meant to be making the decisions. But it's not like that. The referee on the pitch has turned into the assistant, and and the VAR is actually the one running the game. I mean, how can that be? Because most of the time, the VAR is much less experienced than the actual referee. So I don't understand the whole dynamic of it. Yeah, it's
0: a complete and utter mess. Um, one other point I wanted to, to bring us on to, Mike, and I'm going to uh, share the screen uh, with those who are watching us live on uh, YouTube at the moment. Big hello to every single one of you. And hello to those listening or watching back later on. In his post-match comments, Mikel Arteta spoke about how Arsenal controlled the game, how he couldn't believe that we didn't win the game etc cetera, etc cetera. now I, I've really enjoyed Mikel Arteta's interviews and press conferences since he's taken over took a little bit of an issue with this one and that's because he spoke about how we dominated the game now in terms of possession we had 61% um compared to their 39% so I, I take that point on board but in terms of shots and shots on target. It was pretty level. Arsenal 11 shots, Sheffield United 12 shots on target, four apiece corners, Arsenal 4, Sheffield United 5. We weren't as dominant
1: as he says. That's that's my view on it. What did you think? No, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. I think actually Sheffield United were much more dangerous than we were. I think the chances they created were much closer to our goal. And if it was is if it wasn't for a better finishing, I remember Mousset had, had a few chances, had a header as well, which he probably should have scored. Uh, Ollie McBurney had another chance where he probably should have scored. I think if, if those chances were converted, then it, it, we, we could have lost that game. I, I, as I said earlier, I don't think we create enough. Um, I don't think we put enough players in the box. And I think if you're not going to create anything through through your possession, then our, our ball recovery needs to be better because I think that our, our pressing w- wasn't as good as we've seen in previous games, um, whether that's because of uh, uh, Bamiyan was missing and he obviously plays a big part in that now, whether Messer Ozil wasn't quite on his game. But if, if we're not going to do that, recover possession quickly and in dangerous positions, we're not creating enough chances when we're on the ball because I feel like we're still a little bit too slow. Um, as I said, I don't think Ozil was getting the ball in the right positions. So... I don't agree with Arteta at all. I think we had a lot of possession, but not in the right areas. Absolutely. I uh, couldn't agree more. Um, guys, that brings us to the end
0: of uh, another live episode. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it. Uh, my big thanks to Mike for for joining me here. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, all the usual stuff, you know, the drill by now. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow with some more content. I'm going to leave you with a brief message from our sponsors, loserpool.com. Check them out, sign up, play the game, um, and you can win yourself up to a £1,000. You can take on your mates as well. Um, Last man standing, but in reverse, you pick the losers rather than the winners. So do check it out. And uh, we'll be back very soon.